Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Kim and Mark, and every week we bring to you current topics and trends in the wine world that we gather together from all corners of the internet and uh, a lot of the publications that we like to read. Today, we are continuing our series about wine labels, and we're going to be talking about the lies that wine labels tell you. But first, we always like to see what everyone is Googling this this week about wine. So what did you Google, Mark? Well, Kim, I know you have a passion for French wine. This week I had a visitor from Bordeaux, and I always ask people when they present a wine to me, how much of this wine is being made? And he kept saying 100,000 balls, 50,000 balls. And I say, well, you know, I have to keep converting how many cases, because in America we use 12-pack cases of bottles. He was telling me, this was news to me, and I'm sure you probably know because you were there and you're a French geek. They only sell wine in six-pack cases in France. I did did not you know, know that? that? I, no, I, I did, did not know, know that. And I Googled it and I couldn't find anything about it. So I'm trusting this gentleman from Bordeaux knows he lives there and he sells wine there. But every time they talk wine here, they say bottles because they the conversion Converting of six-pack to 12-pack. And then I was thinking a lot Is of times- Is that just Bordeaux? In Bordeaux, I assume, I assume it's all France because he was saying France, it was something about the truck sizes. And I'm thinking, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Well, but I couldn't yeah. find anything on Google saying that because it's probably a stupid thing to Google, but I'm good with that. I'm going to, I'll ask some of my friends who've recently traveled to, to France. So yeah. if, if you have recently traveled to France and went and to Bought buy yourself case. some wine, leave a note on our Facebook page. We would love to hear what your experience was about cases of wine. What about you, Kim? What did you Google? Um, I'm back to my old research about uh, wine and food pairings. So I have a couple of events coming up, one for a, uh, a repeat client of mine who I always have a lovely time with uh, wine and wine and dinners with. Um, and she wants to do a all white wine menu. So I am going to come up with a number of things for her that are white wines in different styles so that everybody finds something that could be a favorite. And I've started my research with uh, different styles of white wine and what foods go best with those. Good time of year for that. And It's I, and always a good time of year for that. I suggest you trick them with a red grape that's made as a white like a white pinot Ooh, i don't know that we're tasting the wines blind so that might not they wouldn't know work. it's a red grape though. that's well, you know? i don't know people are savvy this group is savvy <laughs> So this week on The Wonderful World of Wine, we're going to be talking with you about wine label lies. And they're not so much lies as little tricks, I would say. Ways to confuse the consumer. A lot of it is marketing and a lot of it is just... I don't know, that wineries need a little wiggle room with what they put on their labels. What's your take on uh, on our list of lies here, Mark? Well, 
I feel the government says everything must be truthful on the label, and they approve it. So if it's on there, the government said it's okay to be on there. But I think there's what we're going to talk about here is what we're calling lies, maybe you things you must be cautious about, because the government says they're not lies, but they're things that are really not regulated that you need to be careful about. Previous show, we talked about the truths, and there were a few things we said can go both ways, and I think we're going to touch on a few of those here. The first one we'd like to talk about, Kim, is that it can be a real winery or it cannot be a real winery. So a physical vineyard, a farmer, that's one of the things I feel as a, as a not a truth or mm-hmm. it's a lie that people need to be careful about. Yeah, this is tricky, especially when you are talking about some of these bigger brands that either buy in their grapes or their finished juice from producers and then blending it all together and then selling it under a massive label. And sometimes it is really hard to know just looking at the label, whether you're dealing with a a massive corporation and a wine that is made in lots of a million bottles or whether you're dealing with a small producer with dirty boots and hands on the grapes and a real sort of artisanal agricultural product. So it um, it can be very hard to tell. Winery, these big brands can be really tricky. You know, they, they can make their wine labels look like it comes from this small place and can use all sorts of flowery language on the back that really doesn't mean anything. And you can research all that with the just Googling certain things, Google the brand name, Google the address statement that's on the back and do a little digging of that. And you should see if it's coming up the same company all the time, then it's a brand name. It's not a physical winery. It's a it's a corporate brand. It takes a little digging. Every once in a while, I get stumped because I think it's uh, it, it's actually a winery, but it, it's, it's a brand name and it's just another part of a big cog in the system. So we feel, well, I feel, I can't speak for you, Kim, but I feel that it's a true you have to be careful of making you think it's a winery with the little families picking these grapes and but they're making millions of cases. Right. I completely agree. You know, there is so much romance tied up with wine and winemaking. And there have been surveys that have been done that say that, you know, consumers consider wine to be one of the more natural products out there, that when most consumers think about wine, they have this image in their head that it is small producers growing grapes, giving them a lot of attention and very hands-on. Whereas for a lot of, of cases, especially for these really, ginormous brands, it really is this gigantic agricultural product, fields and fields and fields of grapevines that are being grown for really mass-produced wine. So do do be careful if that is something that matters to you. Maybe you have found a brand and you really like what it tastes like and it doesn't matter to you that this is a big brand, in which case I think that's wonderful. I think at the end of the day, wine is to be enjoyed and we can sit here all day and talk about the benefits of small wineries. But if you don't like that wine and you like a wine from a bigger producer, then I am not going to sit here and tell you that you shouldn't like that wine. I'm glad you said that because a lot of times people look at me like, why why does that matter? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? But think about it this way. If you're spending $10, if they're both $10 bottles and one, you're supporting a farmer and a family versus a corporation, do you care about that? That's the way I Mm -hmm. tell people and I'm passionate about that, but we'll move on to the next lie, Kim. (laughs) The next we feel is a lie on a wine label that in the United States is not a truth. It's the term reserve, but in the European label, 
this does mean something. But in American wines, if you see reserve on a label, it is not regulated. It does not mean anything. This is one of my favorites to talk about because it's an example of how the American system versus the European system is so very, very different. Because European producers put a lot of power behind that word reserve. There are added aging requirements for the wines. Uh, Sometimes better quality grapes from older vines have to be used. There are all of these different things that winemakers have to do in order to qualify to call their better wine reserve. And it really means something on the label that you can taste in the bottle. And for an American label, it just doesn't, it has nothing, means nothing. Yeah, so it's this, a marketing ploy. This term is something I feel they're lying to you because they, they want you to associate with the European Reserve and they know they can get away with putting it on the American label. Right. That's kind it's of like calling their bubbly champagne. Back to when you were talking earlier about real winery versus a virtual winery for our first lie topic. If they use reserve in the brand name, it's also a trick. So I don't know, so name a winery and then put reserve after it. Reserve winery or right. this winery. It can be a trick to think it's like a special winery, but it's right. it's not. Like it's called, I don't know, Oak Hills Reserve Winery. Here's another one, Kim, that, that you have to be careful on a wine label. A state-grown versus a state bottle. This is a very tricky one. And I always have to... Every time I hear it or I see it, I get think, okay, I got to check this. Which way do I go? <laughs> it's right? good to double check. You know, you want to be right. So a state grown, Kim could produce a wine using a state grown fruit that I'm growing in a totally different spot. But it's your estate. It's my estate. It's your estate. I'm it's selling, one property. You own it. Selling my fruit to Kim, who takes that fruit somewhere, ferments it and bottles it. So she's putting on her label, it's a state grown, but it's my estate. But it's all coming from your property. Right. So it's from one place. And that is not regulated, right? If you say a state bottled, that is a is regulated. It means it's bottled where on the estate, 75% of the fer- fermentation is taken on place on that estate. So the physical winery and, fruit. and the vineyard where the grapes are grown are together. Together, one spot. So Kim's doing her own fruit. 75% of it is being fermented there and bottled there. It's 75% guaranteed estate fruit. Estate grown, you see it a lot. And people use that and say, oh, it's all estate grown fruit, but they could be shipping it a million miles and doesn't matter. It's kind of a trick, right? So just be careful of those those two terms. This is another you know, instance where the, it's the word that carries the weight. So the word reserve carries weight and the word estate carries it carries some weight. Your mind automatically associates it with higher quality. So even if the truth there is that yes, a state grown fruit is all grown by one particular grower and a state bottled is again, all of those grapes are coming from one place, but you kind of need to make the distinction. In Europe, Kim, Chateau, I mean, there's things that mean a lot. Mean something. Their estate, so... You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and Kim and I are exploring all things wine with you today. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please visit her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like to get more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. If you'd like to send us a message or follow us on Facebook, you can find us at The Wonderful World of Wine. And if you want past episodes of our show, we are on iTunes and SoundCloud. Today, we're discussing wine labels and what we feel are the mistruths or what we 
we like to say the lies on a wine label and, and talking in detail why we feel you have to be careful of these terms. And next, Kim, we're going to talk about organic grapes versus organic certified when you see on a label. And this all comes down to our little friend again, sulfites. Right. So I don't really consider this a lie on a label. I, I feel that it is confusing for consumers, however. So yes, you do see organic wines where you have the USDA organic symbol on the bottle, just like you would see it on your organic carrots or your organic chicken or whatnot. But then there is a separate category that only deals with how the grapes are grown. So you will not see the organic seal on wines that are made with organic grapes if that organic mindset didn't follow those grapes into the winery. So the winery door is really the differentiation between organically wines made from organically grown grapes and an organic wine. Yeah, I, I like you said, I don't know. Can you see this as a lie? The, the lie, I think, is when people think that they pick up something that says made with organic grapes, that it's a true organic wine. Because the, the difference is a few things. And I can never find out, I've seen different percentages, but if I'm saying it's made with organic grapes, I can never find out what percentage of the grapes have to be organic. And I can never find out once it's in the winery, do I have to be organic? So yeast, right. water. If I'm using Chernobyl water and nuclear <laughs> it's yeast. It's still organic. And it's, I'm using organic <laughs> grapes. Does it matter? It, it, so it's still organic. No, it, it doesn't because it's still organically grown grapes. And I believe it's 95%. Um, that, I, that's so the rule. Numbers. Really? I've seen the 95%. I've seen yeah. 75%. I, I don't know. I've seen it for other food products. And I thought that wine grapes fit into the 95%. But no, that organic thing stops at the winery. So you can do whatever the heck you want with those grapes once it's through those doors. And if in the vineyard, it was grown under certified organic practices. So the vineyard has to be certified by the by the certification agencies that certify organic produce. So as long as all of those things were followed, those can be called organically grown grapes. Yeah, that's but it another, doesn't matter what, go, what happens in the winery. That's another great point about the certifying agency because if it does say organic grapes, they should have a certifying agency on right. there. Then you can research. Which is not the USDA. Right. There it's, are a bunch of organizations that certify food products as organic. Which I, I also think, it Kim, that it's not regulated by the government because they only care about the USDA version. But, those, they, but those certification They're places, own independent. But they are certified by the government. They are certified. Yes, they okay. have to go I was, through I was stuff. thinking, so research it, but like even the EU wines, that they have a, a million different certification agencies over there as well. So, But they usually have a little stamp. And matter of fact, the other day I met a guy from New Zealand and he was saying the same thing. This is organic grapes, whatever. I see. And there was a, he, he goes, look at the seal. And he turned it over and you know, my eyes, but the thing was so small. And I said to him, why wouldn't you put that on the front yeah. of the label? Use it as, you're, use it you're as marketing. You're proud of using organic. And then you have this teeny label on the back corner. No one even knows. It's such a selling point for so many people. You can look at it as maybe it's marketing, but it's, this is something that carries real value to a lot of consumers. So, and we yeah. wanted to talk about, I had n noted down about the, the, the lies on the label about sulfites and having to do with, we're talking organics, so we might as well talk about it. If it, if it says contains sulfites, I think the, the lie of this, I mean, it's true that it does, but the health version of it, I think, is just misleading. Right. Just because it's on the label doesn't mean it's necessarily bad for you, unless you do have a sulfite allergy, in which case that's important. But I'm not allergic to peanuts. 
other people are allergic to peanuts. So just because a product contains peanuts, that warning on there is to alert those people who have an issue with that food, not it doesn't really apply to me. So I tell people to take the sulfite warning with a grain of salt, because for the majority of people, um, sulfites do not bother them. Yeah, and I agree. And that's why I put it on the list of, of the lies, because some people think this is just not true. But it's it's a truth on the label that can be interpreted as a lie. So we've talked a lot about the things that are required to be on a wine label. And most of this has to do with the front of the label. You know, you see the alcohol level, you see how much volume there is of the wine, the name of the wine. But if you turn it over and look at the back label, there's all sorts of different information that can be on there. Some wineries put very, very minimal information about their wine on there. And other ones put like an entire, I don't know, essay on the back. Sometimes it's data. Sometimes it's tasting notes. Sometimes it's just poetic language. So a lot of that information on the back label really should be taken with a grain of salt because, you know, winery owners, wine bottlers can't put a lie on there. You know, they can't say, what can't they say? What's something that is can't say that this is an excellent wine you should buy this it. is the it must best be wine from california yeah. you know you can't be put a truthful that. statement but you can get very creative with how you describe your wine on the back label and the government if you say descriptor of what it tastes like they're not going to really challenge that because they they're not test tasting it right they're just checking the label mm-hmm. for it. but you can't say anything to to that's getting you to buy it saying it's excellent or I, I, one time i saw you probably saw this too kim there was an australian winemaker and the the wine label is called bitch right and on the back yeah. label all he wrote was bitch 50 times <laughs> right. right so they must say okay he's just using his brand name but what what information is that so anytime you turn it over you you have to take that with a grain of salt it, it, you interpret any way you want but just be careful it, it, there are things they put in there mistruths that get by the government every once in a while but again it's marketing you know they're putting something on the back label that they are hoping will make you want to purchase it yeah it could be a food pairing that you hate the food or you would never think it goes good, but they think. So it's just <laughs> suggestive stuff. Next, Kim, this is, I think, this is a, a big one. good one is the varietal. So it says a grape on the label. Yeah, it does. It says Cabernet. It is Cabernet. But, Kim, tell our listeners where the lie is But on it's this. only required to be 75% of that grape that is listed on the front label. So you could have, like you just said, a wine that says Cabernet Sauvignon, and that's the only grape that is listed on there. You could have a bottle of wine that says Pinot Noir. The only grape listed is that grape. It doesn't have to be all of, of that grape. It only is required to be 75%, meaning that there can be 25% of some other grape variety put in there. Now, I we've spoken at length about blends and that there is nothing wrong with a blend. What the lie is, is trying, is when wines are trying to trick you about style is uh, is really where I think this comes into play for people. Yeah, the true varietal character of a grape is when it's 100% of that grape. So this is why we always tell people it's important to tell us the brand you're drinking. If you say you like Pinot, what is the brand? So we know if it's 100%, if it's 75%. And that's why we always talk about those those geeky tech notes because the tech note generally would tell you how much percentage of the grapes. So if you have discovered a couple of wines that say Pinot Noir on the label and you really 
really, really like them because they're dark and they're full of jammy fruit and you think they're absolutely delicious. But then it turns out that that wine is 75% Pinot Noir and 25% Zinfandel or Syrah or Merlot or something like that. That is really doing you a disservice, I think, because yes, you really like that wine, but then you are going to go out and try to find other Pinot Noirs that you like. And maybe you might stumble across something from Oregon or something from Burgundy that is also Pinot Noir, but of a vastly different style because it doesn't have that quarter of something else in there. One of the things recently, Kim, that we've talked about in a lot of classes is the new trend in saving vineyards money by shipping things different ways. So where you see this very common is it'll say it's a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. What they've been doing, and you, you're thinking, okay, Kim writes, it's from New Zealand. It's a nice wine over there. They're bottling it over there. They're shipping these bottles over. Actually, what's happening a lot is if you look at the bottling statement on the back, it'll say produced in New Zealand, bottled in California. So what they're doing is they're putting them on these big barges and they put them in like big bladders, right? Yeah. So you see this often with other shipping of liquids. So they'll package them up in New Zealand. It's airtight. No oxygen's getting in. It's very clean and they ship them over here and then they're bottled stateside. And I don't have a problem with this at all. I think that this is actually really smart, both environmentally and for saving money, because glass bottles are really heavy. So if you don't have to ship all of those glass bottles, along with all the wine in them, you're saving a lot of fuel. So I am, I'm completely on board with this. Yeah, I've had wines, and it surprised me when I see it, I say, wow, that process that's being done, it is actually the finished wine that's being sent over. Right. Where I think you could use this, and where I do it sometimes, Kim, is if it's a, you know, the the typical price point of a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is usually always the same. If there's one that he's bottling it, small production, and he's shipping those bottles over versus a guy who's making a ton of it, bagging it, and sending it over, mm-hmm. and it's the same price, I would go with that guy who's bottling it in New Zealand, shipping it over, and I'd pay that price. If that because makes you sense. think it's higher quality? A little bit better quality. They're putting more effort over there to get it to me, and at that price, I'm I'm paying for the bottle. You know what I mean? There's it could more, mean he's making less, too. And he's making less, yeah. Because he, he doesn't have enough a to fill yeah. a big... A big so uh, it's, it's a kind of a quality thing to me, yeah. too. And this is different from what we spoke about a few minutes ago about estate fruit. And it is it is slightly different than growing fruit and then trucking that fruit to a different place to be made because fruit will degrade. There's Other than using refrigerated trucks, once that fruit is picked, the... The clock has the clock is is ticking for wine that is made like this. There are other ways to stop the breaking down of the wine. So there is this difference between a finished wine and shipping it in an alternative packaging and then bottling it at a different place versus shipping grapes. So Kim, let's move on to a term you see on the label, and I'm curious your take on this. When you see a wine and it says American wine, what was your take on it? So this should be a little red flag to you that the wines, the wine in the bottle, if it just says American wine, can be made from grapes blended from many different states. Now, California still makes between 88 90% of the wine that our country produces. So the vast majority of what is grown in the U.S. comes out of California. But most every other state also has small wine industries or not so small in wine industries. So our take on this is that if a company is blending in grapes or juice from other places that it just might not be the highest quality wine. So as a our listeners that they're going out to purchase a bottle of wine, why should 
why should it, I know what you're saying it's you don't know where it's from but do you think and I think we talked about this before too do you think that people they just see American and it's a it's a branding thing to get people to buy American mm, maybe it's sort and, of a patriotic buy American possibly but honestly we don't see this for too too many wines do we I, I see it on bulk wines bulk wine yeah, yeah bulk it's wines. bulk wines it's less expensive wines um, is where we're seeing it right now but who knows with climate change if there is going to be changing to the label laws to allow a little bit more blending if wine grapes are able to be grown in regions that right now are not so conducive to grape growing but in the future might produce some better fruit so talking more about the things on the labels that we feel are lies and i think this is a, a big one that people don't pay a lot of attention to if on your wine label it says oak is on the label it says oak is in this wine kim explain to our listeners why we feel this is a big lie because if they're just saying oak then chances are yes you will be getting some oaky flavor in that wine but that flavor didn't come from time that that wine aged in an oak barrel you need to see oak barrel aged on a wine so it's a not regulated if you're using a barrel if you're using the staves of a barrel if you're using the chips of a barrel and there's actually oak flavoring like chemical that you can use so you have to be careful and it all comes down really to price if someone's using quality expensive oak barrels you're going to pay more for that wine than you will someone who's just put an oak dust or something in the wine yeah and a, a wine that is aged in an oak barrel doesn't just benefit from the flavor of the oak but it benefits from other things that happen in that barrel during maturation and during fermentation so having a wine that is actually spending some time in a real deal oak barrel does change that wine for the better. So those will almost always be a better quality wine than something that has, you know, oak chips or, or whatnot added to it for the flavor. So the last thing we want to talk about listeners about that's on a label that you should be cautious about is a term I think we spent a good part of another show on, Kim. If it says old vines, it's it's Zinfandel. It says this is an old vine Zinfandel. Why should people be concerned or think that this is a lie? Again, because there's no regulation of the words old vine. So your old vine might be 50 years old and it's producing really good quality concentrated fruit. But somebody else says, hey, my vines are 15 years. I'm going to all that old. There's no one that says, hey, an old vine starts at 30 years, 40 years, or, or whatever. So it is a term that is loosely used, and it is trying to present an idea that this wine is more concentrated, is more powerful, and has better flavors to it because the vines themselves are a lot older. And it's something I think you should research if someone says that on their label. You can go to their text sheet that we talk about all the time, and they'll tell you the average age, average age of the vines or the vine that they came from and getting back to, to the European stuff, Kim, most of the time you see old vines, they're old vines. Very right? old vines. Very old vines. Hundreds and hundreds of years old. So a term be cautious about. And a lot of people use this in the trade name to trick you, the winery name to trick you. It's all things we hope that you will recognize uh, on the label. Anything else, Kim, sticks out? Or what about European-wise that aggravates you, that you've misled? Anything off the top of your head? I think European wines are just so confusing for a lot of American consumers. Just the language barrier and the whole system of 
of appellations and naming wines and that you could have one producer produce a whole bunch of different wines from slightly different places. They're not lies. They're actually truths. But those truths can get very complex and difficult for the average consumer to understand. So I think that's just the biggest frustration with those. Yeah, the Europe one, they're so strict. And and a lot of these American labels, there's so many other depths to it. There's so many, there's some states that have different regulations than other states. Washington has different rules than California. Mm -hmm. Oregon has very strict rules. Yeah. So when you're looking at the varietal and stuff like that, in one state compared to another state, it's a lie because it's the percentages are different. So you have to be careful. And we always try to teach people, use the label to become a better consumer, better shopper, to to tell people what your profile is better. I I wish we would have talked a little bit about the restaurant version of the lies on a label. Not not the labels, but more the menu versus that. We could have worked a little of that bit, but we're out of time. We could make that another show. Another show about lies on a restaurant list, now that you're in that industry. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Kim and I have enjoyed talking wine with you. If you'd like to get more information about our show, you can find us on Facebook, The Wonderful World of Wine. We'd like you to follow us and send us any questions or comments. If you want past episodes of our show, please go on iTunes or SoundCloud. Cheers. Cheers.